He's a career law enforcement officer with decades of experience. An accidental exposure to fentanyl almost cost him his life. He's here to talk about the risks to our first responders and his story. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. We are thrilled to partner with Shatterproof at FHE, the world-renowned treatment program for first responders. Because, at times, helpers need help. Exclusive treatment services for first responders who may suffer from exposure to trauma, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and substance abuse. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420. 833-776-1420. That's 833-776-1420. Or online at fhehealth.com. That's fhehealth.com. Under programs, you'll find details about Shatterproof. Connecting with us from North Central Florida, we have Jeff Brown on the phone. Jeff has been a guest on this show before. He's got decades of experience as a law enforcement officer. As a matter of fact, 40 years on the job. We'll talk about that in a moment. Jeff is also the founder and one of the main movers and shakers from hometownheroesalliance.org. Jeff, thanks again for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. It's been a while. We've had you on, was it three, four years ago? Yeah, it's been quite a while. Maybe even I five. seem to never go away, though. You know, <laughs> joking, I'll say this because we talked, just been on the job so long. He was on the job when I was a rookie, and I've been yeah. retired from yeah. law enforcement for 30 years. Yep. So it's yeah, like, that's, uh, uh, it's one of my big questions that I always ask the young guys, you know, is anybody in here were born before 1981? Yeah. <laughs> if you weren't, then I've been, I've, I am that guy that was a cop longer than you've been alive. So you've seen a lot of changes during your career. And we talked about some of those before. We will talk about them after, but w- one of the things, and by the way, hometown heroes, Alliance.org, great organization that he has doing awesome things. We'll talk about that as well. Now, Jeff, during your career, you've seen ups, you've seen downs, you've the highs, the lows, you've gotten the physical scars, the mental scars, all the above, correct? Yeah, been through the ringer with uh, with both both sides of it and, and seen many other things going on with a lot of other guys as well. And yet you're still here, you're still doing this job. And it, what's it going to take for you to finally pull the plug and retire? About another six to eight months. Yeah, so there <laughs> Realistically, we go. I, I am about done. The, the politics and, and the things that are going on have just changed it so bad that I, I'm one of the last, probably the, one of the last dinosaurs that can still tolerate some of the stuff that's going on. That You know, this, this new, new type of law enforcement is just not working for us old guys that have been around for a while. It isn't, and this is one of the reasons I like Jeff. Jeff, and I say this with all candor, is that he is a knuckle-dragging Neanderthal Cretan police like I was. 
Exactly. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a street cop. You know, I, I retired once in 2010, stayed part-time for a few years while I um, ran an offshore charter fishing business and, and uh, hosted a TV show. And then I came back to work full-time because I just missed it. And it was always, when I left, I was a road sergeant. And when I came back, it was like, don't you want to test again? And nope, I, I'm, I'm out here to do the job that I always wanted to do. And, and I still enjoy doing it. So I'm, I'm, you know, just I ride my zone with my other deputies and we go out and take names and do what has to be done. Here's what I, I find interesting. When I say street cop, that's the highest compliment I can give someone. And yet when we say I just want to be a street cop and this is what I've done, there is a misconception portrayed. I blame the media, news media, Hollywood, television, social media that portray street cops in a negative way, that we are head bashers and we just want to lock people up. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. It is. It is. And, you know, the you have to look back, and I think a lot of it comes into the individual uh, being able to keep what he's doing in perspective. Um, for me, you know, I can actually look back and tell you there's five or six people who are still on the face of this earth because I happen to be placed in the right place at the right time and we're able to take the right actions to save those lives, be it jumping in a pond to get a woman out of a car, help a choking baby. Those are the things that I focus on. I don't focus on the negative things like, oh, I got in trouble for this or I cussed at somebody and now I'm going to get written up. You know, you, you have to let the negative stuff go or it will it will cause you mental issues for a very long time. And it's almost impossible with what we used to call verbal judo. We were trained in. Sometimes you used harsh language and it was all designed to get people away from use of force options. And nowadays, what I hear from so many people, and I got called on the carpet quite a bit for what was called discourtesy. And and it was really verbal judo is what it was. Can you explain that concept a little bit more? Well, it really comes down to almost being an actor. You know, we have here in, in the Central Florida area where I work, we have the, some of the high-dollar areas where you have the million-dollar homes, um, and you have to go in there, and you have to be Mr. Polite, and yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, everything, and, you know, be on the top of your game. Then we have the lower-income areas. You have to deal with those people on a different level. And if you can't change the way you handle that, that's going to create problems for you. So it may be in one of the areas where, you know, they're struggling a little bit. It's a, it's a rough area, a lot of drugs, whatever, violence. You've got to go in there with a hardline attitude. You can't go in there and, and be the high-dollar guy that you are in a, in a different neighborhood. That's where it all comes into play, of being, being able to change that. Right. Um, attitude you have and stay with it. A lot of guys can't, and it results in a lot of problems for them. And, and the big thing is, it, a, a way of comparison, you kind of have to learn to be a chameleon and use the language that's used in the high crime areas where there's a lot of violence, and there's a lot of resentment and resistance towards police. And I'll, I'll just give you a great example. When I was a young rookie police in a high crime area, and I was talking with Guys hang in the corner. Uh, some of them were hardcore criminals, and I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be polite. I was trying to be professional, and they ignored me. And an old-time cop said, trust me, they're watching you, and they're measuring how far they can get away with things. And sometimes you've got to be a little bit coarse in your language in this area because when they see you being disrespected verbally, the next thing is a punch. The next thing after that is a knife or a gun. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break, return our conversation with Jeff Brown. 
In a few moments, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This would have been our 25th anniversary if he'd said something. We would have gotten help. But now I feel responsible for missing his signs. I don't think the guilt will ever fully go away. Daddy let me wear his helmet so I could pretend to be like him fighting fires. I wish he was here. I want him back. Every year, more first responders die from suicide than in the line of duty. Do you feel like giving up because of PTSD or other symptoms? Call FHE Health at 833-776-1420 to learn about our specialized treatment program for first responders. Evidence-based therapies for trauma, depression, and other issues. Innovative neurotechnologies that relieve symptoms and speed brain recovery. Peer support groups with others who understand what it's like. FHE Health can help you show up for the people who depend on you as a happier, healthier version of you. Because life is so much better with you around. Call FHE Health now at 833-776-1420 online at FHEHealth.com. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to LETRadioShow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at LETRadioShow.com. Return our conversation with Jeff Brown, almost about 40 years in law enforcement, getting ready to retire and not his choice. Well, he'd tell you it's his choice. This is the Law Enforcement Show. And you're retiring, Jeff, because of an exposure to fentanyl linked with an on-the-job heart attack. Am I correct? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, in May of 2021, I had a I came home after shift and ended up having what they call the Widowmaker and having a stent put in. Um, which is probably due to, you know, the bad eating and all the stuff we do as cops on the street, you know, trying to grab that hamburger from McDonald's so you have something to eat during a busy day and, you know, not exercising enough and not doing the right thing. So I had the heart attack, um, was out for 88 days, I think it was total, and came back. So things were going going fine, going smooth. Um, I guess it was probably a year later, got exposed to fentanyl and got taken out again. When you say exposed to fentanyl, how did that happen? We was working a case of uh, some suspicious guy sitting in a truck next to a gas station and walked up and opened the door on the truck, you know, because I, I saw the drugs on their, their legs and the needles, and they were getting ready to shoot up. Um, got them out of the car. We all put on our, you know, there were several of us there, put on our mask, all our PPE equipment, and um, in testing all the drugs, three out of the five of us, uh, for however it happened, um, became started having the effects of the, the dizziness, the weak legs, um, feeling really nauseous, and, and knew that we had now been exposed. And actually, each one of us narcaned ourselves so that we could make sure we, you know, got through this thing while we're calling rescue. Um, and what I think it basically was there was so much of it around their truck and in the air that it probably got us through the pores. And it just, you know, being not a person who uses drugs, it affects us much worse than it does the knuckleheads that, that do these things every day. Yeah, they develop a tolerance to it. And I'm going to go back in history. You know, when I was a rookie cop, just when you were a rookie, we didn't have fentanyl. Mm-hmm. We Acid was a thing. Marijuana was a thing. Cocaine, of course. And then yeah. was involved into crack cocaine. Heroin's always been an issue. And PCP was right. an issue. And the big thing for me, I remember, was getting severe headaches when exposed to the aromas of liquid PCP. And that was really about it. We didn't have 
the term you use, PPE. We didn't have that term. We didn't know anything about that. Did you recall ever using that term when you were young? No. Look at all the fights we got in when we were younger, blood all over us. Um, the, the biggest thing was maybe hepatitis and tuberculosis. Those are the two big things that we had to avoid. And uh, we didn't have rubber gloves. You got to fight with somebody, you got to fight with them, you washed the blood off and got back to work. So it's a little bit different nowadays, that's for sure. How deadly is fentanyl? First, first of all, before you answer that, I'm visioning in my mind you and the other deputies Narcanning each other. Yeah, we actually grab because we all carry Narcan. Simply the area I work is is a heavy drug area. So we all buy policy and for our own good. And and a lot of it, I think, the main reason we carry it is for this instance for ourselves. I mean, we use it on other people all the time. But immediately upon knowing that we had been exposed and we're starting to have symptoms, we just got our Narcan and Narcan ourselves. So um, to try and fight off some of the effects that were going to happen, which which did it. it well, probably could have saved our lives. Yeah, well, it doesn't take a whole lot for someone who's not doesn't have a tolerance to drugs to get exposed and get a deadly dose of fentanyl. As a matter of fact, a very very small amount. I'm no expert in this. Yeah, and and what well what happens is, and you relate it to this: if you take an alcoholic, he can he can drink a six pack of beer, and he doesn't even get a buzz. So if you take a person who's doing a lot of fentanyl, a little bit is not going to do it for him. Whereas a person like me who doesn't drink beer, one beer, I probably get a pretty good buzz off of it. So that's how we get affected more so than the addicts themselves is because we're not users and our bodies are not tolerant to any amount of it at all. So many people have a negative reaction to Narcan. They're like, well, they choose to be a drug addict. They choose this, whatever it might be. And, you know, if they choose to die, that's on them. And they seem to lose sight of how many other lives of innocents that are not involved in a drug game wind up getting deadly doses of this stuff. Yeah, that's that's the sad part is it's not just the addicts. It's their families. It's the people around them. And it's the cops and the paramedics and everybody else that has to deal with them. Um, Narcan has been a, a lifesaver for years. I mean, I, I've seen people who were actually dead come back to life just from hitting them with the Narcan. And those were people that, that uh, for lack of better words, were drug addicts. That you, you, you try to save their lives. You don't want to see them die. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's, that's our job. Whether you like it or not, or whatever your personal feelings are, you know, that's what happens to an addict. That's what they get. That's not, what, that's not how we can operate. We have to be there for that reason. And, and if you don't do that, then, then you're in the wrong business. That's for sure. I remember back in the day, junkies, and that's a term we used, dying with needles in their arms. And what would wind up happening, it's heartbreaking to see. It's heartbreaking to go through. It's heartbreaking and devastating for the families. We don't want that to happen to anybody. But the word, the minute the word got out that there were hot loads in this portion of Baltimore, all of a sudden sales increased. And everybody came yeah. out of the woodwork to buy dope there. Yeah, we, we see um, on a regular basis... We know when a batch of either pure fentanyl or bad fentanyl is in town and because our, our overdoses go through the ceiling. And then it'll stop for a week or two, and then it comes back again. So it just, you know, it depends on who's selling it, who's making it. I think they even make it you know, artificially now here locally. So, you know, you can get some bad stuff like anybody else. And I think when that stuff comes around, we know when there's bad batches, and you better be ready for it because you're going to get two or three a day. Here's the, the funny thing, and I say funny as an ironic. The area where you work 
is not known as a drug open drug market with huge problems. We think of Baltimore, we think of Philadelphia, we think of parts of New York, we think of all these other areas. Your set, your portion of Florida, how big a problem is the drug problem? It's huge in the area that I work. It's huge, and here's here's the problem that you find for an area like Central Florida and some of the other tourist areas. You can't put that on the news. You can't put on the news that we have shootings every single day here. It simply scares the tourists away. So the the media and some other people are very good at, at keeping that down and making it look like it's, you know, me and all the other wonderful places are just uh, a great place to be. And, and there's nothing going, you know, I don't want to slam because there's nothing going on there. But in some of the other areas, just like I'm sure in Baltimore, you have areas where you have a serious problem going on. It just doesn't get the attention it needs. You know, when I retired from police work in Baltimore, and I thought about this for some odd reason today, I don't know what triggered it, and I don't like that term. When I retired from Baltimore, I had already moved to Southern Maryland, and that was too close. And then a few years after that, I moved to South Florida, and sometimes that's too close. And I get what you're saying about the media. I get what you're saying about putting out a, a different image for tourism. I get how important that is, but I also get how frustrating it is because people don't know of the threats of violence and or death due to drugs. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. We take a short break. We will be right back. John discovered a cool new app and he just can't put it down because it has millions of great podcasts, including Law Enforcement Today. So now you can listen anytime, anywhere, and also chat with John. It's called Podopolo. It's free on either app store, so join John there. Follow Law Enforcement Today and DM John when you do. That's Podopolo. Download it now. Flintstone Media has been the digital messaging bedrock of several brands and businesses, serving as a highly resourceful podcast production house and consultancy firm for over six years. Work with a leader in the industry and add a new podcast to your brand's content offerings. From show development and setup through recording and distribution, Jemmy will lend her experience launching dozens of podcasts and producing over a thousand episodes, making creating your show a simple and easy turnkey process for you. Visit FlintstoneMedia.com for podcast samples. That's FlintstoneMedia.com. Return to our conversation with Jeff Brown calling us from North Central Florida. He's been in law enforcement 40 years. He is in the process of retiring. We'll explain why in a few moments. He's also one of the founders and shakers of hometownheroesalliance.org. We will tell you more about that a little bit later on. Jeff, I'm going to encapsulate this very short, very quick. Long into your career, you had a what could have been a fatal heart attack. You recovered from that. You got back to work. About a year later, you exposed a fentanyl, near deadly dose for you and other deputies. Thank God for Narcan. You all survived. However, that's where your problems, where your health really began, didn't they? Yeah, it's um, the, even the workman's comp cardiologist, um, after the fentanyl thing, I, I, he lost his mind and said, you can't go back. I can't, I can't allow you to go back. 
you know, fentanyl causing the heart to race like that. You, you could have further problems. And so we're in the process now. I actually have an appointment tomorrow to get released to go back to work. But the reality of it is it, it's, it's time. You know, it's time for me. I'm, I'm 65 years old. It's time for me to go, you know, and I, I, I don't want to die on the job. And I've done all I can do. And I figure at this point I've, I've accomplished all the goals that I wanted to do. Uh, we've got our charity up running really well. And, you know, I owe it to my wife and my family to just say that that's it. I'm 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 done with all this madness. So, you know, yeah. she's about to retire um, coming real it. soon. So six you, to eight months at the most and, I, and I'll, I'll be done. You do owe it to them. And I, I, I got to call you out a little bit. You said you got an appointment with a doctor to return to work. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. I, you know, I can't leave under uh, a medical. I'm not going to leave under under the medical. um outage that I'm under workman's comp right now. So I want to get back on my feet, make sure everything's up and that I'm healthy and that I still can, can do the things I need to do. And, and then I'll be, uh, I'll be ready to go. Explain the, the reason why you've got this medical condition and I, I have a, a sneaking suspicion why, but there's the regular retirement <laughs> and then there is the medical retirement. What's the difference? Why would you want to yeah. go back to work? Well, under Florida, under Florida, we have the heart and lung bill here. So anything concerning the heart is a workman's comp issue. However, you, in order to get a medical retirement, you have to have probably two different doctors saying you're completely disabled. And I'm not completely disabled, so I'm not going to take that, that rating. Um, I'm still able to do my job. I moved over 2,000 pounds of rocks the other days with a shovel you know, in the backyard. So I'm still able to work, and I, I don't want to go out on the medical be it I'm just stubborn, um, it's just a family trait that we don't do that. So I want to get back to work and say, yep, I'm back, I'm whole, I'm solid, I'm going to leave on my own two feet. You know, Jeff, I get wanting to retire in your own terms. I, I was retired due to injury a little over 11 years, and I did everything I wanted to do except reach all the ranks I wanted to reach. And I guess in a way, looking back, that was a, a godsend. I didn't realize it. I really understand wanting to retire on your own terms. I understand the stubbornness, the persistence, and I think the term we use nowadays is resilience. Yeah. That's the buzzword. Yeah, it's, that's pretty much what it is. And I, I'm not, you know, I'm not fooling anybody. I'm not fooling myself, but it, it's, it's time to go. So I have gotten my Medicare stuff in line. I've got everything. I'm, I'm slowly getting things in line so I can just pull the plug and, and uh, give it a good booyah and be gone with it. One of the things you said is, I don't want to die in a job, and I, I owe my wife and my family you know, time, because how, how much time is taken away? People think it's an eight-hour day. That's it. Oh, no. Well, we work 12-hour shifts, and then most of us, because of the salaries that most cops make, the same as teachers and, and a lot of other professions, you're working your part-time jobs constantly. So, you know, five, six and sometimes some of these younger guys have not working seven days a week just to feed their families. So it's it's not a eight to five job Monday through Friday. That's for sure. We all know that. And so many people struggle with taking home the effects of the trauma and having it adversely yeah. affect their families. And we no none of none of us wants that. I, I have been probably the most blessed man in the entire world. My wife and I have been married for forty years. She's put up with this for all that time. Um, you know, with the, the PTSD I've been through, the counseling and all the other stuff, the, the bad, you know, the bad attitudes and all that stuff. She's just been, she's been my rock and my angel. So, 
it's time to, you know, spend some time with her and do a little traveling and, and uh, for us to just, you know, enjoy the rest of our lives. So is it safe to say you're no longer the angry Jeff? <laughs> I went through some stuff and I, you know, I, I had a, a one workplace shooting where I was one of the first ones in the door and had to deal with all the dead bodies and all that stuff. And it was, uh, it was horrendous. And that, you know, we think of it this way is that you're carrying a backpack every day you go to work. And every time you deal with one of these incidents, another little pebble goes in that backpack. Well, sooner or later, that pack is going to get too hard, too heavy to carry. And then you hit the big incidents and it's like putting a brick in there. So at some point and, and long into my 35 years that my backpack finally was too heavy. And fortunately I've, I've, you know, with the charity, I've seen so many PTSD problems that I knew what was happening when I was having the night terrors and I was able to get some very good help. And as a result of that, um, you know, got me out of the, the bad things that I was going through. You know, that's a, a great point. And by the way, that analogy, the backpack I've been using, I think I got it from you many, many years ago. I've been yeah. using that in this show ever since because it's a perfect example. Yeah. It is. It is. And, and guys don't realize it because each one of those little pebbles doesn't really weigh much. But you put, you know, 100 pounds of pebbles in that pack and now it's become a problem. And for some guys, like I said, if you deal with a lot of these traumatic incidents, those pebbles turn into bricks and you could put five bricks in there weighs as much as a hundred of the little pebbles. So, you know, it really, it isn't about the person it's about what the person has to deal with throughout their career. And by the way, if you or someone, you know, is struggling with the effects of trauma, whether it be anger, anxiety, PTSD, symptoms, substance abuse, all that stuff, check out shatterproof for first responders, phenomenal program in Deerfield beach, their websites, F H E health.com. Look under programs and you'll find details about shatterproof i said angry jeff because there was a period of time where i was the best explanation was very very angry and people don't don't define me that way anymore and it took a lot of effort to get to the point and a lot of help from a lot of people to get to the point where i'm okay even with my scars yeah and you know it and when you find yourself driving down the road on your day off in your own vehicle and you're just going to the grocery store or something and you get cut off and you start pounding on that dashboard and screaming and cussing and that that's a that's a clue that there's something going on here um and we we often don't pay attention to that and we owe it to each other more so than anything is to watch your partners and when you see this stuff happen their eating habits change they come to work tired they're sick a lot you know you need to start talking to your partners and going hey it's okay to not be okay let's talk about this let me refer you somewhere let's do something with it and if they don't accept the help then maybe it's time you step up and get them to help you know we have to do that for each other I love the way you talk about this. One of the things that we need to be able to do is be okay with the concept of stepping on other people's toes to save their lives and, and have a conversations that we don't want to have that are not comfortable and say, Hey, are you okay? Cause there was times when I wasn't okay and this is what was going on. And unfortunately the people who catch it the most are our loved ones, our family members, and they see the isolation, they see the mood swings, they experience the anger, the irritability, the hypervigilance, all that stuff. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. We're going to turn to our conversation with Jeff Brown, 40 plus years in law enforcement, getting ready to retire. We return, we'll talk about his transition and what he's doing with Hometown Heroes Alliance and more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. Return conversation on Law Enforcement Today's show with Jeff Brown, 40-plus years in law enforcement in North Central Florida. Getting Ready Retire. He is also the founder, one of the movers and shakers of Hometown Heroes Alliance. And we will talk more about that in a few moments. As a matter of fact, he was on the show, I'd say probably five years ago, talking about that, what he does. And here's the thing. i got to talk, call you out on this, Jeff. Five years. Yeah. It's a blink and an eye when you got a 40 year law enforcement career. The reality is, you, you probably should have been retired five years ago. <laughs> yeah, I should have probably been retired more like 25 years yeah, ago. Yeah, but here you um, are. And you, now you've been, it's it kind of the decision's kind of been forced on you. Is that a, a correct way of describing it? Yeah, it's to that point where medically it's, it's time to, to do something. It's also going to give me a whole lot more time to work our, the charity end of the stuff that my wife and I do. Yes, the the charity is not just you. And this is something that you're all in on and your wife is too. We do. We um we have a great board of directors and my wife and I founded this thing and we run with it. It's it's been growing. Um uh, we're growing slowly. Um we're very proud of the fact we don't have any paid staff and all our don we live off the of donations and all of our donations go to go to our guys and we do so much in the background with helping people with you know family illnesses guys that have been hurt on the line of duty and can't work their part-time jobs um we're able to financially um we just helped build a wheelchair um a wheelchair ramp up in west virginia we've built one here in orlando recently so we do a lot of things in the background all while we take some of the heroes out on outdoor adventures, fishing trips, hunting trips, and stuff like that all, all throughout the year to highlight what we're doing um, for those guys. By the way, your website's hometownheroesalliance.org. Can people make donations right there? Yes, they can. There's a donation button on there. We really encourage everybody to, to go on there and look at the donations. You can do one time. You can do monthly. Our monthlies are growing. Even if you went on there and did $5 a month, can you imagine – what it does for us if we get hundreds of people doing $5 a month. Um, it really helps us to aid those guys who have been medically retired, the ones that are still working, the old guys like me that need a little bit of help, um, have family members with cancer problems. It, it just we're, we're very open to being able to do a lot of stuff for all first responders, not just law enforcement, but firefighters as well. One of the things our, our radio show is broadcast on a minimum of 82 stations across the United States, and we estimate our audience at about a million listeners, and we're broadcast weekly to more than 28 million combined populations. So let's do the math. If 1 million people yeah. donated $1 a month, that would be a million dollars a month or $12 million a year. How much could you do with that kind of income? You would be absolutely amazed. I mean, we 
We help these guys with their medical deductibles when their their family members have cancer. And their our deductibles are like four thousand dollars a year. We're able to help them with that. With that kind of money, we we can continue to grow nationwide. We already do things in Oklahoma, Arizona, Connecticut, Georgia, South Carolina. We're already nationwide. But it would it would help us help more people throughout this country. And we all know last year, I think the figure was 254 guys, men and women, were shot in the line of duty. Yeah. Not all of those were fatally shot, but a lot of those are now medically retired. They're struggling. Their their income has been dropped in half in a lot of cases. So we're able to you know help them with car payments, mortgage payments. It's just a, an amazing um, adventure that we can do for these guys and do so much to let them know they are not going to be. We are not leaving them behind. Five years down the road, we may show up and go, "Hey, let's take you on a hunting trip to let you know you're still in our family." So it, it would help us tremendously. That almost brings me to tears when you just say that right there, Jeff. And- the magnitude. So we'd of, encourage you to, to come and join us on one of our outdoor adventures to really get the feeling. You cannot experience it until you see the smile on one of these guys' faces that knows he has not been forgotten. That five years down the road when no one calls him anymore, no one wants to come around and see him, um, that we just show up out of the blue and go, hey, you're going to go on an all-expense-paid fishing trip down to the Florida Keys and with your family. We always bring the families. Because that's a big part of what what we do. That's, that's so phenomenal. You said two things that really resonate with me. Number one, you know, when you retire, it, it's a matter of moments. Once the door slams, you're pretty much off the island and you don't exist anymore. And yep. it, it can become a very lonely feeling because a big part of what I missed, I don't miss the, the circus so much as I miss the clowns I work with. And I say that with right. the utmost respect. The camaraderie, when that's well, gone, it's gone. You know, what, what we found with, with a lot of these guys is that um, in going back and looking at all the things, about a year after you've been medically retired or you, or you retired for, for good reasons, um, your phone doesn't ring anymore. No one comes and sees you, especially in a medical end, because we believe that that reminds other guys, I could end up like that. Right. I don't want to continue to see this, see this because that could be me one day. You're absolutely um, right. And life goes on for a lot of others. So we don't, we cannot, there's no way in this world we could leave those kind of guys behind. They have given their life, their legs, their arms, their mobilities, their mental issues. They've left it on the field. And, and very commonly, agencies and the people they work with leave them behind. And we can't do that. We cannot afford to do that. We can. And it's admirable that you are doing that with hometownheroesalliance.org. The other thing that you really, really resonate with, so many people that were you said were shot, so many law enforcement officers shot that did not die. And that's a great thing, but they're medically retired with, they're maimed, they've got lifelong injuries, and most of them, many of them I talked to were like, my family have been better off if I've been killed financially. Yes. And you and I have dealt with some of the same people over and over again. There's one particular one, and I won't use her name, but she was shot in the eye as a canine officer. Just recently, three years down the road, was finally given her Social Security total disability. Three years she's been fighting for that, and she hasn't been able to work. There's, there's, we can't let and that gap that has to go in there. Somebody has to fill that gap and has to help them financially emotionally and keep that stuff going and we have been there for her and her family the entire time and it is such a blessing to see that that wounded officer now get what she truly deserves for the rest of her life 
And I want to clarify, it's it's usually not the departments. They they really do their best to try to help people out. It's once workers' comp gets involved, once the bean counters, the county government, the accountants get involved, you are going to be a casualty, and it's going to be a rough ride. Yeah, I've been, and and that's the other thing about me is that you know during the heart attack, I've been dealing with workman's comp through the fentanyl. I've been dealing. I'm still out of work. I'm hoping to go back very soon, but I know the battles. I personally know how these battles get fought, and I know what it does to the morale and the emotions and the mental issues that people go through with this. So for us to run this charity and help them, I can go in there and go, I really do understand, and we're going to fix this. So many people hear what you do, and it's like, I think it's great. You take people out on fishing trips. You take them out on hunting trips. I, I want to go fishing the Keys with you. I really do. But you're so much you more than that. that. You do so much more than that. Yeah, that's the see, and that's the you know the the side of it. We have to you have to advertise some to let people know what you're doing, and we get those guys to talk about their stories because there's a couple of reasons. One is it is a amazingly uh, a healing process for them to talk about it to let people know what they went through. The other side of it is it lets the other guys know who feel like we see this all the time who feel like I don't deserve that. Uh, give that to somebody else. That's you know, that's cornmeal, man. You do deserve it. Anybody who's injured in the line of duty does deserve to be recognized. So it helps us get help for the other people. It does. And, and realistically, most of these trips that we go on, like the hunts in South Carolina, trophy hunts we go on, those are all donated. We don't pay for any of those. So we don't use donations for those. For the majority of it is all donated. Those are $2,000 you know, per person hunts that are just donated by those organizations. So we're always looking for that as well. How can people help? Okay. What do you tell them to do? Well, we we um, would just encourage them to go to our website, hometownheroesalliance.org. Look at our Facebook page, see the things we do. Look at the smiles on the faces of the injured guys and go to our YouTube channel, which is simply Hometown Heroes Alliance. Look at the videos on there and watch what these people say and how they react from the beginning of their trips to the end and watch the smiles. You can't buy those smiles. You and, just can't do it. And when it comes to your social media, your website, people can contact you right through those means, can't they? Yes, they can. Our phone, my phone number, my cell phone number is on the websites and all of the, all of the social media stuff. Um, you can call us at any time. If you or an organization or want to donate a trip or sponsor a guy on a trip, by all means, just call us. Jeff, We're always looking for the help in those areas. Jeff, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. And the next time we talk, you better be retired. <laughs> I will be. That I can promise. We'll talk to you soon, man. Yes, thank you very much. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, Please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.